I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Stuchko. On today's episode, we are revisiting a topic that we discussed back all the way back in season two, episode five, with Dr. Mikey Fallon. He is back today um, on Friday, September 16th, to give presentations to our 10th and 11th grade students. And uh, the No Place for Hate uh, group here at the high school sets up a luncheon between the two talks. And uh, again, they let me come in and do a small podcast in front of a live audience um, with Dr. Fallon and with Mrs. Larkin and with Mr. Harkness, two of the advisors of the No Place for Hate group. So we're excited to have uh, Dr. Mikey back on the podcast again. It's been four years since we've had him. So a lot's happened since then. He tells the story of kind of some of the things that he's been up to and how he's been encountering audiences again uh, back in person and kind of seeing the difference of where they were uh, when he left you know, couldn't be out there all the time. So now he's back on the road, back in schools. And then obviously we talk about things that are going on here at Emmaus High School um, to talk about No Place for Hate and have uh, inclusion for all uh, all the students and to kind of see what happens if they hear things that maybe are not acceptable and kind of working on those things to build a better community here at the high school. So we're excited to share this opportunity in this episode with you. If you want to go back and learn more about uh, Dr. Fallon and Mr. Harkness and Mrs. Larkin. That is episode season two, episode five. If you go to ninthgradeexperience.com, you can find it there. That's where all the back episodes are. So we would love for you to go back and check those out as well too. So we're always working on new episodes. So if you have an idea for an episode, you can reach out, uh, let us know. There's an email contact on the page. Uh, you can see me at the high school. Um, so there's lots of different ways to get in contact with me. And uh, thanks to everybody that has been watching some of the ninth grade experience content on TikTok. So that's been the newest uh, venture that we're getting out there and trying. So we're getting some good responses there. So we'll keep putting up um, clips and stuff there. So you'll see clips from this episode on there as well, too. So we are really excited to bring you this conversation today with uh, Dr. Fallon and with Mr. Harkness and with Mrs. Larkin. And we hope that it opens up your eyes to, you know, being more inclusive and looking out for different people here at the high school. So here is the episode with Dr. Fallon, Mr. Harkness, and Mrs. Larkin. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast. We are doing a redo of an episode we did in 2019. Today is Dr. Fallon's coming back to the high school to do a show that he did actually in 2018-19. So uh, we're excited to have him back um, to be presenting to our sophomores and juniors and we are currently at a lunch that has a lot of people from different clubs and organizations and classes here at Emmaus High School to kind of talk about some of the things that were in his show and kind of shine a spotlight on some of the things that we can do here at Emmaus High School and we also have some of our advisors of our No Place for Hate Club as well too so I'm going to let everyone go across and introduce themselves I guess we'll start with the the honored guest here thank you yeah so I'm Mikey Fowlin Michael, Mike, whatever you want to call it. I, so I try to think about who I am, like if people are asking me to just introduce myself. And I think one of the things that I've identified most lately 
is that I am an observer and a storyteller. So I like to observe things that are happening all around us and then to figure out a way to extrapolate a story out of it. And I don't, you know, the other day, so you know those, what are those those bugs where you were told, told to kill now? The lantern flies. Oh, the lantern flies. <laughs> I now as a kid, I would step on everything. Even now, like if someone's like about to sting me, I'll step on it. I have trouble killing those bugs because they're so beautiful. And then what I started thinking is that some of us are like those bugs. We 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 look beautiful on the outside, but yet we are so we damage so much around us, right? And and uh, I, I so what ends up happening to me a lot is that those stories are constantly happening. Like what what am I learning about this that I'm observing right now, whether I'm in a school or whether I'm in society, and how can I apply it to hopefully help someone just maybe see the world a little bit different. Mrs. Larkin? Hi, I'm Mrs. Larkin. I don't have quite a philosophical introduction. <laughs> I've uh, been teaching here at Emmaus High School. This is my 16th year. And when I was hired, I was asked to start No Place for Hate, which is part of the Anti-Defamation League. So um, I've been running that club with my co-advisor, Mr. Harkness. And uh, we do three projects a year that include all the students in the building to promote um, to challenge bias, promote diversity and inclusion in our school. So if you want to be a part of that, just hit me up. I'm an English teacher. You can come and find me in room 573. Mr. Harkness, some of you, well, half the people in this room know me mm -hmm. um, right now. Um, and I have, you recruited me more or less. You said you need to bring the fun. <laughs> and hopefully I brought the fun. That's totally um, <laughs> But also, um, you know, it is something I have a passion for because I think I'm a non-assuming minority. When you look at me, you're like, okay, but I am an openly gay person and I'm not, you know, that's just what it is. Um, and uh, I think kind of philosophically, I think I fell into the, I'm a unifier, I think. Like the different kinds of people will relate to me when they normally wouldn't. Um, and then I can get different groups of people together. And I don't even know that I do that sometimes, but in my older in my older years, I think I can just in my space, somehow that just happens. Um, so that's something mm -hmm. that I guess just ended up being, I kind of, when you move all the crap aside from your life, that's who you are. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm a unifier, maybe. So normally we ask the guests to talk about their ninth grade experience first, since we're the ninth grade experience podcast. And they actually did that on the episode in season two, episode five. They all talked about their ninth grade experience. So if you want to listen to that, go back there. But I am going to ask uh, Dr. Fallon to recount his story of his ninth grade first kiss, um, because I, when I went back to listen to the episode, I thought it was a good story. And I don't know if everyone will go back and listen to it. But I think that story we were kind of talking beforehand of kind of how we hear these things in the schools or, you know, you experience certain things and it kind of sticks with you. And I think that story is a good kind of jumping off point. If, you know, I'm putting you on the spot, but you already told the story. So I guess we, you could tell it again, hopefully. Yeah, you know, that, that was, it's actually a very powerful moment in my freshman year, but it also is a lingering moment throughout my life, which is an important part to understand that even though you're here now, not to think that this is just an experience you have to get through but these are experiences that you will carry as well. And so my freshman year was football season and I had not kissed a girl at that point. 
and uh, there was this girl that I really liked. Her name was Trisha. I liked her. I mean, I she was just adorable. She was one of my classes. I and uh, my friend, I you know, my friend wanted to set us up, and the deal was if I could get him to be set up with one of my other friends, my friend Kathy, that he would set me up with Trisha. And I was like, okay, great. And so I'm at Tom's River High School East. It's 2,000 students. There are 2,000 students. I'm one of eight Black students in the entire school. And Trisha is white. And uh, Sean is like, don't worry, Mike, I got you covered. So he goes over to ask Trisha. Now, you got to understand, I was an insecure freshman, and I definitely felt anything but attractive you know my my brother was considered the attractive one we go to family some of you have this as sibling where you sibling you go to family like reunion or party and everyone's complimenting your sibling like he's so handsome he's so beautiful he's so pretty and then they look at my brother and be like what a handsome boy then they quickly look at me and be like Mikey is studious and so like you know I had all this like insecurity about it and so like I was like I I, you know, I want to see if this is going to happen. And so Sean, he goes over to try to set me up with uh, Trisha and he comes back over and he goes, Mike, she said she'll kiss you. I was like, what? How? How? Like, what are you kidding me? Like, why? And like, are you, is she real? And it's like, wait, wait. And so I was like, I didn't believe him. So I was like, wait a minute. What did she say? He's like, well, she was a little bit concerned because you were black. I was like, Okay, what did you say? He's like, I told her not to worry that I'm sure you'll be able to kiss as good as a white kid. I don't remember much about the kissing experience itself. What I do remember was that somehow I've got to live up to some other one, some person's standard of that I wasn't good enough just being me, that it had to be in comparison to the other kids who were at my school. And it was a really, it was a jarring thing for me at that moment in a time where I should have felt really happy that this part was lingering. And then the other part was because people heard that I had kissed this white girl at the school that they then took just a kiss. That's all it was. It took that into, oh, you heard what he did to her. And then the rumor was that I had sex with her. And she was devastated because she thought I spread the rumor or that I started it. Uh, it had a lot more negative because to this day, I have no contact. We were good friends before that, but I have no contact with her. And you even added, I think you added a little bit more detail from the story from four years ago. I think you kind of shared a little bit more there at the end about some of the things that transpired afterward. And as I'm sitting here thinking of that, like, um, I'm not going to date you, but I'm sure like you were a high school freshman, maybe before cell phones, probably before social media. So do you think like that, what would that experience have been like for like our students that are sitting here today? Like I can only imagine the TikToks, the Snapchats, the all the other things that would go out. Like if something like that were to happen in our current, you know, setup today. Yeah. I think that's the, the other part was just like the embarrassment of, of you're not able to control the story. You know, like at, at the point, and then some of you have faced that, right? You put a post out, like, and I, my heart goes out to even those who put a post out where they're just trying to entertain their friends, but they end up saying something that may have been racially insensitive 
or they end up saying something where, okay, this is totally like not cool to do or say. And then all of a sudden they get known as that person that did that thing. And uh, that, that for me, the reputation afterwards was like people then looking at me as if like, oh yeah, you are really a black kid now because that's what black kids want. They just want to take advantage of white girls. And I, I got a chance to see like the last half hour of your presentation today, which is different than when you presented it the first time, I guess now five years ago. But the thing that I kind of took away from the end and you were saying like, you have to kind of, you have your own pain and then you kind of take that now and kind of help others to heal from that. And this is for kind of everybody since you're kind of all doing the, the same thing, two in the high school and one outside. Like, how do you kind of take that kind of event and then turn it into something that you can do for good for other people, whether it's students in our school, people that you're presenting to, those kinds of things? Um, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I try to force myself to think about, I didn't force myself. I should say that it, it naturally comes now. But I think one of the things I had to practice to think about was how do you take what your learning experiences and put it broader than just passing a test, right? So like the idea that I love that classroom that, that, that some students here were talking about where it's an experiential learning, that that's, what, that's how you apply what you're really learning. Because what's the point if you can't use it? You know, what's, what's really the point if you can't use it in the real world? Uh, and that's why so many of you like may even hate math because you're like, I'll never use this, you know? And, and so I've, I've found ways, even for things that I think I'll never use, to try to use them. And I'll give you a quick example with even math, right? So I love math, but but if I did it, I became fascinated how numbers can also tell a story, you know, and how numbers can be, you know, like in my in my family of children, I have three children. And so I am March 7th. My daughter, my first child, she is June 14th. My next, my son, who's next, he is July 21st, and my final son is December 28th. What do you hear in that, right? Well, you hear the multiples of seven, right? Which is my favorite number. And I didn't want to be involved. It was my favorite number. So you hear seven, 14, 21, 28. But what I heard when I, when I had my final child was, thank God this is my last child because there's no 35. <laughs> all right so like in, in a month right so like you know so there is this the idea of like how can we use things that we are learning even if it's in a humorous way to be able to apply them into our lives and how about mrs larkin and mr harkness like as advisors of no place for hate how are you kind of encouraging the students that you see in the meetings or like in these kind of events to kind of maybe at this point they're still kind of exploring those things and then maybe even a recognizing it and then b like so what do you do about it about sharing experiences. I mean, I think that's a lot of the conversations that we've been having this year is like, I, I had to ask the question in Hornet Huddle the other day, you know, what, what makes us care about other people? That was our question, our circle up question. And, it, and the correct answer is <laughs> like knowing each other's stories, right? And connecting no matter how that is. I remember last year I was talking to a group of students and I seriously have no idea what I was telling them about my life, what kind of personal story I was telling about my past, but I saw their expressions change and they went, oh my God, 
thank you for telling us that. And I was like, what, what, what did I say? What did I do? And they said, well, you know, you, you're human, just like us. You make mistakes, just like us. You're not perfect. And I seriously, I don't even know what, what I was talking. Maybe it was the fact that I delayed college or whatever, but it just reminded me like to show our human side, especially as teachers and to create that space and no place for hate to have those conversations even if you're just having a bad day and you don't want to talk about anything important you just want to talk like that's really what it was always about was for us just to have time and space to be together yeah you know all different groups too like you said you were really good at bringing a whole lot of different groups in the school together I think it's um I, I think that sometimes as far as being a teacher goes especially high school teacher I think people don't understand that most if not all of you are operating at a level where you're not given credit for and you get stuff and you understand what injustice is. And I think it's right. And I've said this in the last one too, and it just stuck with me because it's one of those things I just said and it stuck with me. It's right to be real with kids when you can be and to be authentic because you can't get people to be kind or authentic by not being that. If you're not true to yourself, first of all, you'll know. Like, because again like I said you get it like so if somebody's not being authentic I would say that a teenager is way more likely to notice that an adult because we become jaded and we just sort of ignore it so as a person who is a minority um I feel it's it is my responsibility I think to say like this is who I am this is the kind of life that I have it's a good life and anybody in here regardless of what you have going on you can be your best person and so, you know, I went through a stage where I was angry because, you know, when you're a minority, you're angry. You can't do anything with angry. I mean, you just look angry and nobody wants anything to do with you. So you can't get a message across to most people if you're angry because nobody wants to put up with it. Um, and I don't like dealing with angry people. And it, But the other thing is people have a story. So when somebody comes at you, I always try to remember, and it's hard okay, this something is going on with this person that this was their experience or, and there's always a story. And so I try to be empathetic and compassionate when something is going down that makes me feel really uncomfortable or is an injustice. Doesn't mean I let it pass. It just means that I'm like, okay, this person's dealing with some sort of pain. And so it helps, it's helped me as I've gotten older to be that person, be this person. So for our students that are here, I'm going to give you like a two to three minute warning. So if you have questions that you might want to come down or if you want to ask, think about those now. We're going to talk about one more thing and then we're going to open it up to your questions. I have other questions too, if you don't have any, so that's okay. But if you want to come, you can come down or you can stay there. So either one. So the question before we get into that is uh, the last time you were here was pre-COVID. It was 1920, you know, that September. We could not have imagined what would have happened, you know, for the last four years, basically. So how has that impacted what you have done? I'm sure doing it online is way different than doing it in person. Uh, I would imagine like in the last like 12 months, you've been able to get back out there to schools, but like, what are you now seeing? Like, are you seeing like a kind of setback from where maybe you were? Because when I listened to the episode that we recorded earlier, you had talked about how you could see it definitely in different schools. Like our school, you identified as somewhere that like, was pretty welcoming. And like when you would make certain, you know, talk about certain parts, you didn't get like audible reactions from the crowd or like you didn't have people like freak out where you were at other schools. And it was like, 
there were certain topics you weren't allowed to talk about. There were, you know, certain parts of your program that you had to cut out from different spots. So have you kind of, with the culture of the world right now and coming back from COVID, like what have you seen in your work and like going out to places again? Have you seen it kind of got to rebuild or are we on the path? Like what's your take on that? Yeah. So it's, it's a little mixed, you know, I'll start where, when I had to switch from doing live presentations, or I should say uh, in-person presentations versus virtual presentations, I learned something about myself that I didn't quite know, but I'm really, really good at predicting everything that will go wrong. I'm phenomenal at that. Well, I'm going to say that you didn't tell us about COVID when you were here, so you didn't get that <laughs> one. Sorry. <laughs> But when COVID, when COVID happened, like I, I remember like being so angry that I had to switch and I had to adapt what I felt was this, this, this show that I do and this is the way I do it. How am I going to do these characters? And I can't do certain characters on the video because it'll come off like I'm mocking them. And and like I was really like and, and I predicted every and I was right. I was right about everything that I thought would go wrong. I was 100% correct. What I didn't do at all was try to think what could go better and that was a lesson for me that I, that some of my pessimism uh, that that even though i consider myself a pretty optimistic person i still have this sense of like uh how are things are going to go wrong so i didn't think about students that felt vulnerable in when i'm doing an in-person presentation and now when i'm doing it on screen they can cry and not feel that someone's going to be there making fun of them that they could do it be at home and have their screen off and they can feel whatever they want to feel. And I never, and I didn't anticipate, you know, adults and students saying, it felt like you were only speaking to me. I was like, wow, that makes sense. I never thought about that. And then as a performer, like, like some people would, you know, administrators afterwards be like, or I'm so sorry, I had to cut off the YouTube thing of the student feed when you were performing because our students were being racist and doing this. I didn't know, you know, I didn't feel any of that. And, and you know, I had a show where I was supposed to speak to 1,100 students and only uh, 20 showed up. You could tell me there's one or there's like 10,000. And when I'm doing a virtual presentation, I can't, I don't know, that doesn't matter. I had to bring it for the same way for each of those groups. And so one of the things that I've learned about myself since then is like, try to see, you can, you can see the things that can fail, but also try to see the things that can be better. The things that will, that you can do better. Um, the, the other part of now speaking in schools, a lot of schools I go to, they haven't had an assembly until they invite me there in the last two or three years and so there's this almost odd behaviorally it's an odd kind of position because some students have never had an experience in high school where they saw an assembly so they might act in a way that's a few years prior to where they are now you know and that that was hard to get used to you know speaking to like sophomores or juniors who were like more like seventh or eighth graders. You know, that was that was different. And how about for the No Place for Hate club itself? I know before we were talking, and I think we we all advise different clubs, and it's been hard to get people back to clubs. So, you know, what 
will no place for hate or you know any club really kind of do to kind of draw people back in kind of to get them to refocus on some of these issues i know there's a lot of talk about climate and culture and getting to know people so what what is no place for hate's part in doing that for our school here i think what we i think we have the the projects and you know getting out to all the students like that's pretty well down pat but I miss the social stuff like I was talking about before, like our time to go on field trips and have parties and just spend time together as a group and a big group. We used to have 50 kids together, you know, yep. every week from all different club, you know, parts of walks of life, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, clicks. I don't like to use that word, but uh, I think we need to get back to that and just have fun again. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. And it's, it's um, the other thing as I've noticed, it's really hard. And even at the assembly was up in the balcony. It's like this, that's this, the, the technology and the inability to break from the technology to be in reality in, and the groups of kids are this way too. Like ever since like we came back with masks off, I was really, really optimistic and it was a lot more, it was better. But like in a room, uh, kids will come into a room and they won't talk to each other. And I see so many screens and I don't, I don't know how to help kids understand that that is blocking the thing that they want. Like it's blocking that, that you want the human connection. I know that you do, but yet like you're afraid of it. So we have, we have to help people reintegrate and being like, okay, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to talk to this person. I don't know, or just say like, Hey, how you doing? Like you didn't talk to me. How do you make new friends? Right? Cause the people that you've never met before on the opposite end of your phone, they're not real. I mean, they are, they're a person that's breathing, living and breathing, but there's somebody right next to you. That's a, that, that is right there. So just, I don't know. I don't know how to do that, but that, that I feel like we have to help young people feel comfortable being present. And so we're trying, I think that's, that's and I, something. I think laughter and fun yeah. is like the only way to get the, that to shift because we all became complacent because it takes effort to put yourself out there and be social it's so much easier to be on a zoom and turn off your camera <laughs> we know we know how to hide and we have to remember how to be you know it's comfortable but it you don't grow when you're comfortable i can so and you, it's old. you also don't yeah, realize old people yeah you also don't realize what you actually have here because this is all that you see is the people that are around you sometimes i'll go to a school or an environment where People think it's so bad in their school or their environment because the only comparison they have is their school and their environment, you know, where this school, I'm telling you right now, I've been in enough schools, even like now, like masks have been like, okay, there's some people still wear masks of their own concern of health and all that. But I've been to schools where there have been like half the population still wearing masks now, and it's not because of health concerns. It's, and I had a student one time just say, this is one less reason that someone can attack me. That when they walk through the halls, nobody can make fun of their smile or their teeth and face and all that stuff that we're, we're, we're still feeling vulnerable with each other, you know, for the experiences that we've had. And, and let me tell you, you all survivors, like not like your parents. When I was growing up and I went through a difficult time, my parents could always trump my card because they grew up in Jamaica and they're immigrants. And they could say, you don't know what a tough life is. I had to wake up this early. I had to go on the farm. I had to do this. And I didn't go to anything past fourth grade, my mom could say to me. 
now you could look at your parents and like you you kids and it's like yeah well mom did you have to stop shaking your friends hands hugging your friends talking to your friends because you were worried that they're going to give you something that you're going to take home to kill your mom your dad your grandma grandpa because if you can't then you don't understand what i've been through you know and then that that's a that's a powerful thing because you're still here and that that also the thing i want you to know that you're survivors and you figured out how to adapt so i would say take that and figure out how if i survive that then i can definitely do something to make other people feel connected here you know more so i'll stop for a second here before we go into the next question does anybody that's in the audience want to follow up with a question or something you want to know more about? When you folks speak, it's so much more impactful than when an adult speaks. I'm not kidding. So for the people that can't see the video, they're, everyone's looking at each other. We have time. Do you want to come down or you want to stay there? Okay. So the question, if you didn't hear it, was how should we respond meaning adults or as kids or anybody, I guess, how should we respond when we see attacks on other people's character or on your own character? This is the fun part. I get to pass off the tough questions. I don't have to answer them. Speak up is, is one of the, one of the ways. And then when I say speak up, not necessarily just an individual who's being attacked, but the, the ones who stand by and, and aren't, you know, they're watching it happen and not do anything. I had this incident just happened recently. I was out in Minnesota and I was just hanging out. My plane got delayed and then it got canceled. And so I had to spend an extra day in Minneapolis and I love Minneapolis, the city. So I went to see the, a movie that night and I went to see uh, Orphan, First Kill. And, uh, and so the title itself is a little ironic because I'm sitting there. There's only three of us in the whole theater and all of a sudden the movie screen just goes blank. And we're sitting there and I'm watching the other two people. They're like waiting for someone else to get up. And so I, so I get up and I was like, ah, I'm going to check and see what's happening. As I start to walk out of the theater, the guy, one of the people that worked there stops me. He goes, oh, I was just coming in to talk to you all. Uh, you know, the police want everyone just to stay put. We have an active shooter. And it's his next door in the, in the store there. And, and it's a bad situation. And we, they just want you to all stay. So I go back and, you know, he's telling everyone, the three of us who are there. And my mind has always been constantly preparing for this moment. I speak in schools all the time. I, I, I've always thought like there would be some day when I might be at a school when there might be an active shooting happening. And, you know, so... I'm immediately assessing the place and like, okay, if this, if something comes in this way, I, I want to help this, this one girl here. I'm going to help her over here because if she lays down flat, no one will be able to see her. And then if the guy wants to come, he can also do this. But it, my mind's going like this and I can sense the fear on the girl, especially she was just sitting there and, and you can see her just getting more and more anxious. But as I'm sitting there and I'm processing all of this, I'm calm. I'm extremely calm in this moment. But in that moment, I realize that my best action is also to help other people, not to just let it be like, how do I remain safe? You know, and I think that's the one thing when someone, if you see someone being attacked, their pain has to be part of your pain. And that you have to figure out a way that if you, 
if you speak up with a person or you stand up with a person, that then that person's not standing alone and neither are you. I think sometimes too, like you're not, we're not used to like things will go down and like there's a delay, right? Like, is this really happening? And so sometimes we tend to freeze a little bit. And then afterwards you're like, oh, I shoulda. So if you're that person that doesn't freeze and you notice that something is going down and there's other people around you, there's a couple of things that you can do and not get overly involved too. If you're trying to help somebody like that's not cool. You could literally say that, especially, especially if you're a certain archetype, if you're either a big dude or the pretty girl that has so much weight with your social group. I am not kidding because you can shut stuff down like no other people. It's just the reality of the situation, right? Like, so if you're the big dude and everybody knows who you are and you're like, hey, that's not cool. Boom, stops it. And if you're the pretty girl, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, and that usually stops that if it's happening to you, kind of look around. Um, and for, I've been very fortunate that I haven't really been in any difficult situations because I've always had the wariness to understand, like know my surroundings and how to be, which kind of sucks. Nobody really thinks about that. But like when you enter a surrounding, like everything has to be considered when you're a certain certain it could be like a gender, like if you're female and there's predominantly like, ooh, this is a weird situation, or a person of color in, in a situation where it's predominantly white or vice versa, right? Or if you're like a gay person and you don't want to be like, oh, I don't want to be too gay. So like, I think I always, I'm looking over my shoulder. So I guess I always would like look to see who my allies are and try to make eye contact with somebody. You do sometimes like they recognize you need help because I might think you got this, right? Like, I mean, like, oh, they're probably sturdy enough to get this. But if you look at somebody and you're like, I'm like, you know, that can kind of elicit and like, hey, like this kid's like, and then some people can maybe step in. Um, so feel free to make eye contact with somebody that you might know um, and just kind of give them the help me out here kind of look um, that won't always work. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, like sometimes it's just to kind of like walk away it's your own personal safety you have to think about at times. And that also is if you want to help somebody out, you kind of have to think, are you going to be safe to don't ever put yourself in a situation where you put yourself in danger? Um, you know, it's heroism in one respect, but in other respect, you can't help somebody another time, mm. you know, and that's, you know, but it's always like, okay, I'm going to try to catch up with this person and ask them if they're okay. Like I saw what happened. I know that wasn't Okay. Can I do something for you? You know, because that's sometimes you freeze too. That's like the follow up. Like, oh, I shoulda. Well, then just do something after the fact. Like, you know, make that person think. Like, yeah, I recognize that that wasn't cool. You know, well, and and also like just to piggyback on that a little bit. If you are in a situation where you're like, I don't feel comfortable to be the ally that speaks up this time and says, "Hey, knock it off." That's completely fine. What I found to be an extremely effective technique is to show abundant kindness to the person that is being targeted. And if you can, if you can demonstrate that kindness, you don't even have to look at the person who's being a bully and they will feel the shame of knowing how they were just acting. It like kind of holds a mirror up to that person. And so just being kind, just smiling, you know, asking if you're okay. But if you can do it in the moment, you know where it's witnessed it's very very powerful yeah all right anybody else have a question yeah do you want to ask from the back or you want to come down okay so the question is 
Um, if you're an observer and you're maybe not a part of the conversation and you hear something that is not acceptable, what should and could you do about it? Did I summarize that good enough? You, yeah. you could go to a teacher or an administrator and be completely anonymous and report that if you want, you know, and 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 maybe if you feel like it's severe enough that some like an adult needs to address it, then find your closest adult and and let them know. And and we can hope to to help with that. And try to have a little bit of description because you weren't the only one who saw it. And note where you were in the approximate time because we have cameras like so like if you kind of have the word with it and it's to go, oh, it's about 10 o'clock. Yeah, we're in the bio hallway, you know, and just say like, hey, this went down. I wasn't cool with it. I didn't feel comfortable getting involved. I really think that somebody needs to do something and just go to any administrator, honestly. Like you don't necessarily have to go to your AP. I wouldn't necessarily even go to the main office if it's like the only thing you can do. They'll get you hooked up. The one thing we don't want you to do is feel helpless when you feel like you would want to do something, but you don't know what to do or just go in and, and find your teacher like that's nearby. Like, you know, like some people, somebody you might not know and you're like, ah, I don't know about them. But like if you see me or Miss Larkin or any of the teachers like I'm they're going to listen to me, go find them. We'll do something about it. OK, but time and place is really important if you want to if it's something so severe that it needs to be like checked and the, it's going to they're going to be blindsided by it and they're not going to want to do it anymore. That it's, it's important to be able to do that once in a while because they're like, okay, that's not going to be tolerated in this school. And there's like eyes and ears everywhere. Great. Any suggestion from? I, I, I love what I love was, what's being suggested. I was just thinking more in terms of if you see the same thing like out in society and in general. I, I, I remember there was a manager for the New York Yankees, Joe Torrey years ago who like when the umpire would make a bad call sometimes he'd walk out of the dugout he'd go over to the umpire he'd say something really quiet and then he'd walk away but it'd be quick and so he was being interviewed one day and the radio host is like what what do you say to these umpires that you just walk away you never get thrown out and he says i just walk up to them and i say you're better than that that's a powerful thing because there's no direction that someone can take except to say, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So like learning how to like almost give someone a compliment that they could do better. And something be better. My, my parents would have said to me, like, <laughs> you're better than that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Or be better. I like that yeah. term that people are using now. Better. <laughs> be your best self. Anyone else with a question? Thank you. Again, when this comes from you, it it's it makes it real because people we can say, oh, this is happening in our schools, and like, but the kids say it's fine. So, have questions if you have them. Yeah, does anyone have something that you actually did in that kind of situation that could be helpful? Like, I know you've seen, I know that other people have seen things like that. Um, it was yesterday. There's the shorter kid. I think he's a freshman. He goes to our school, and we were coming back from lunch. These two guys were like just making fun of his height, saying he could fit fit through tiny spaces they couldn't. And so it wasn't me. It was this guy behind us. Like as soon as they started like talking about that, he just yelled like, "Hey, shut your mouth!" It wasn't the greatest way, but like <laughs> it shut them up because they didn't say anything. Out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the question came from like that awkwardness of like 
how do I actually like speak up to people? And I, it's hard. It's like, you know, even as teachers in the building, sometimes, you know, it is our job to like go up and, you know, point out to students. But at the same time, like, it isn't the easiest conversation to go up and tell somebody like, hey, what you're doing right now is not like acceptable. And it's even like, it's even weirder when it's like adults to adults, which happens, you know, it may not be all the same things that you're all talking about. But again, like we have these weird, uncomfortable conversations with adults too, but like kids stepping up to do that and saying that stuff, while it may not be in the, the best way, it leads it a way. So we can like build from, from that, I, I would say at this point. So, yeah. It's a good start. It is. You got to start somewhere. So anybody else with a question? All right. So I have one final question. So speak now or forever hold your questions. Or you can ask afterwards and you don't have to be on the podcast. So my last question, and I asked the same last question last time we met, and I think that's a really important question. So if you had a chance to see the show this morning or you see the show in the afternoon and you identify with one of the characters that you hear about, you know, whatever, wherever it comes from, because you touch on, I listed them in the previous one, but like, there's no topic that could impact the high school student that you don't really talk about during your time. So what is the suggestion? And this is for all three of you. Like, what is the suggestion if like you identify with one of those people and like, what is the next thing that you feel a student could or should do if they identify with somebody that you talked about? You know, and there's lots of, there's a wide range, but it can be as something as simple as, you know, a first kiss or somebody contemplating suicide. So there's a huge range. So what, what suggestions do you have for somebody that identifies with the, one of the characters in your show? I think one of the things is that it gives, one of the things that I like about what I end up doing when I'm doing my presentations is that it gives people permission to acknowledge their own story. And I think that's the starting place. So what I like is like, how can we uh, start to get in touch with our own story? And, and I think that's that's the part where I encourage people, okay, now how, how do you share that story? And so one of the things that I, I probably said last time, but I didn't mention in the first presentation is that I am a big postcard collector and, and I love writing on postcard love letters to myself. And so I go and I write these love letters of like, you're beautiful. I'm so glad you choose, chose to stay. I'm glad you're not, you didn't give up. And, and then I go to Barnes and Noble and I stick them into random like bestseller books, you know? And, you know, it was just like this thing of like imagining somebody having a horrible day and opening up a book. And all of a sudden there's this surprise secret postcard letter to them. That's like, you're beautiful. And it's, I'm so glad you chose to stay. And then like four years ago, I'm in Massachusetts at a private school and this senior in the high school comes up to me and she goes, were you ever at the Cambridge Barnes and Noble bookstore in Cambridge Square, Massachusetts? And I was like, I was there one time, it was last year. And she was like, I found one of your postcards. And it was the day that I got out of the hospital for my eating disorder. And it was the only thing that kept me alive on that day. And like, and I think to myself, like, you don't have to be a straight A student to do that. You don't have to be a doctor in clinical psychology or a public speaker or to be the most the most known kid in this school, but all you have to do is actually move out of the comfort zone to realize that your joys, your pain, and everything who you are is also connected to someone else here. And how about for our no place for people like in the building? So if you're one of these people and identify and you're here in our building, what would you suggest? Like for students in general or how to find services within the building? Sorry. Just in general, like what, you know, feeling, think... feeling comfortable, like who should they go to? Who should they go to? Like, 
you know, those types of things. Uh, really what I was thinking is, is like, I mean, now is the time you're young adults, like you've got to find your way of how you're going to have support and learn about yourself and grow. And that could be an organization that you're in. Maybe it's a religious group for me at 11th grade. I met my, my lifetime counselor, my life coach, my Buddhist teacher. I have been with the same counselor for 30 years and I don't really have any, I, I don't have any diagnoses other than I'm a human being that needs to talk about my life with somebody who knows what I'm going through. So that's my support. And I don't know what I would ever do without her. So you got to find your way. You don't have to have something wrong <laughs> to, to talk. We all need to talk. And it doesn't matter who that is, where you find that. Sometimes, you know, it's better to get somebody who has some a degree and some experience, though, <laughs> to know how to help you navigate properly. <laughs> Yeah, um, somebody some, so many years ago, I sent somewhere. It was not even that long ago. I was at a graduation party of all things. And there was, um, I was like pretty much the only, I didn't, I just went because the kid asked me to and I knew his mom and whatever. And I showed up and I didn't know any adults. And there was, uh, there's a woman there. There was like a, a group of motorcycle people, but they were really cool. And we we're just chatting and she was awesome. And I just remember we we're talking. She goes, well, Brian, everybody has their S. Yep. Yep, they do. And that has had so much impact because it's really empowering. No matter what you got going on, somebody else has that something similar, or maybe it's something completely different, but they're going through it. And you might not know it by looking at them, or maybe they're not going through it now. Maybe they haven't been through it yet. So it's really important to kind of remember that, that you're really not alone. And I think just kind of on the flip side of that, be careful that you don't share what is you that you're not comfortable with on social media or to the person that would tell you other people's secrets. Because mm -hmm. the people that tell you other people's secrets, they're going to tell yours. And it might not be like a dark secret, but something you're not, whatever it is. Um, it doesn't even matter what it is. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes to finding your people, just be be careful about who you do share that with so that you have a level of trust with them. It could be an adult, it could be another student, but just be careful with other students and don't require other students to counsel you or even other adults that can't. Like we can point you in the other direction. I mean, I'm not a counselor. Like I don't have that degree. I'm a good guy and I have a teaching degree and I've been around a while so I can give advice up to a point. But, um, you know, so there are people that can help you depending on what level there is. But the, the first step is it, you know, noticing that you you need something, even if you just need somebody to listen to your story. You're not being dramatic. You know, it's something that you, and it, even if your story is just like, hey, this thing happened to me. I had a student just shared to me, it wasn't even anything massive, but like something happened to their house over the summer. It was kind of a big deal. I was like, wow, that's a lot, right? And it's just like, be able to share your story with somebody. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but we all need our people to talk to with stuff. And uh, so find them. So I wanted to thank everyone here and everyone that's in the audience for taking some time out today. We have to get Dr. Fallon back because he's got to perform again in 17 minutes. So I don't want to get him, get him moving here. <laughs> he, he's done this a lot, so he's good to go. But um, real fast, no place for hate. When do they meet and where do they meet? 
Well, we meet in room uh, 573 right out of school, right after school um, for about a half an hour. Uh, we don't have a specific day set on the schedule yet. So it's kind of been, you know, different days. Just look on the daily announcements and come and check us out. Uh, we also have a Schoology group if you'd like to sign up and you can get information that way. And how can people find out more about you, Dr. Fallon? Uh, you can go on my uh, website. And that's just my name, M-Y-K-E-E-F-O-W-L-I-N, MikeyFowlin.com. All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. We, you know, look forward to this. Hopefully it's not another four-year wait to get you back on. Maybe you'll be back next year. Who knows? <laughs> but maybe you can predict when you're going to be back next. <laughs> so thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you.